Welcome to the Better Business Podcast, a series for those business owner operators who want to create a better business. Here are your hosts, Chris and Mark. Welcome, welcome to 2022 for the Better Business Podcast. Uh, Chris Pazimenti here, joined again for another big year with Mark Eggleston up there in Sydney. How are you, Mark? I'm very good, Pez, and how are you? I I'm very say, well myself. Pez, being a Melbourneite, I got way more acquainted with Melbourne watching the tennis. Not that I'm not acquainted with Melbourne, but I, I did think, what a lovely city and what a great job you guys did with the tennis. It was bloody fantastic. And of course, I, I take you know full responsibility for all of that. Um, Personally, yeah, I take personal you know responsibility for it, but I don't take responsibility for the hoons and the hooligans in the crowd. Yeah, well, you, you get that sometimes. You've had a good summer. I, I have had a good summer. No complaints whatsoever, actually, except it's torrentially rained in Sydney. There's a farm I go to, let's say four hours from Sydney ish, if that. Mm-hmm. And I was going to go there recently and I rang them up and said, you know, how things might come up for a visit, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, yeah, you're going to have a bit of trouble getting around the farm. And I said, why is that? And she said, well, we had four inches of rain in an hour oh. last week. <laughs> and that's, that's, been, that's, a, that's a huge amount. And the trouble with that is it just washes out the creeks, washes out the tracks, washes out everything. That's a bit of a metaphor. for It's just rained in Sydney on and off constantly for about, well, a month. Yeah. Anyway, it's boring to talk about the weather. We're still we're still getting good weather. Blah blah. Good one. So I did um any fun things to report from the business world of business? Oh God. You know how you and I are always a bit with a new client. We, mm-hmm. we if you know a client well, you can just you can use whatever language you choose. <laughs> mostly, you know, you have a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. Well, I did some work with a new client the other day, and I'm Thought I'd better watch my P's and Q's a bit here. You can swear for effect, you know, as we do sometimes when you're coaching. So I'm in the room watching watching my P's and Q's just a little bit, not not anything. And one of the business owners who comes into their own, who's Irish, and he starts chatting and asking the question, well, it's, oh, the fucking hell is this and fucking this and fucking that fucking fuck. <laughs> this is really good. I'm loving this. And fucking fuck it, oh, but oh, in his Irish accent, it was bloody hilarious. Of course, that happened the floodgates there. <laughs> oh well, I was I was just about to say that then you've you've just gone, how good is this? This is really gonna uh, you know lubricate oh, the conversation. Hell. Have you ever you've heard an Irishman swear? It's hilarious, it's beautiful, actually. Yeah, well, you know, that like um almost like the the Italians in Italy. Uh, they've they've got it down to a fine art form, haven't they, the Irish? They have, but they usually have gestures as well, you know. Like yeah, not like the Italians. They don't have any gestures at all. No, I mean the, the Italians have gestures. <laughs> oh, so, oh, yeah, yeah, yes, they do. Yeah, and and well, I think Australians generally swear. You know, we're we're part of the world world championship swearing club. Oh, well, they're terrible, absolutely terrible, or, or um, wonderful, either way. Yeah. And also, on a more slightly more serious note, you know how we did a podcast a little while ago about I don't be busy. Mm-hmm. I'm just seeing that pop up, as in not I don't do I do do busy. To the point where I took my cousin's partner to task recently because I asked him if he'd done something. And he was on holidays and he chose to do one thing as opposed to another. And he said, oh, I'm busy. I couldn't do that. 
<laughs> and of course, you know how I am with it. And I went, well, what the actual fuck? You're not actually busy. You just chose to do that thing as opposed to the other thing. Don't give me the bloody busy thing. Yeah. Which didn't go down too well. No, I was going to say that 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 sort of put a little bit of an interesting atmosphere into the holiday. It did. But you know, I'm seeing this all over the place. And I'm I wonder if we might revisit the whole busyness thing. Um, yeah. I, I was in a meeting the other day and we're talking about choices because busyness is choice, you know, I'll either do this or this. Mm-hmm. And a woman in the meeting who I know is very eccentric and I know quite well said, Well, choices either have consequences or rewards. And I thought that's really worth remembering. Yeah, isn't that a nice little, uh, yeah. nice little consequences or rewards? And if you make a choice, you can't ignore them, you have to accept them. Yep. Anyway, a little bit of deep. Well, I mean, that's what we're all about, you know, going going a little bit deeper into the whole coaching yeah. conversation. And so, which leads us into today's topic, and it's it's not necessarily <laughs> going to be a long-winded one, and we can keep this relatively punchy. Yeah, we um, can. But it is, a, it is an important one because what we come across a lot as coaches uh, are executives and, you know, middle managers, uh, C-suite, um, you know, parts of the business, all saying, teach me how to coach my team. So we want to build our own coaching skills. And the biggest part of, um, you know, when you you and I, you know, go back to some of our early training on this and and parts of um, the training that we did together way back when, and it's funny now that I actually talk to people and say 20 years ago, which you just go, geez, time has flown. It's amazing, isn't it? 20 years ago. I was thinking about that when we used to coach two particular brothers in Melbourne. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll keep the name out of it too yeah, we definitely protect will. the innocent you um, don't want to die young Piers. no that's right i don't no, no. um and and uh, i think a big part of that one of the things that we learned early on was was a very sort of um one of those sort of management bullshit talk statements but it was about coaching equals questions and i still remember seeing it up on a whiteboard um in in some training room somewhere and, and it was there for, for months and it was it was coaching equals questions. And so that's where you and I uh, want to, are going to take today's conversation to look at. And, and we did have a challenge and we had to come up with the five, well, I mean five best, which is subjective, but our five um, most effective or enjoyable or favourite coaching questions that we ask. And hopefully that people that listen to this will work out um, how they can apply them or if they've applied them in the past or, or if, they, if they can come up with versions of them, because it doesn't, you know, as we know with language, like your Irish friend earlier on, mm. it doesn't always have to be delivered in the same way. So no, that, was, that was the challenge today, to come up to look at some coaching questions. And you and I have both got a list of hopefully five questions each. We haven't prefaced this with each other at all. So I suspect there's going to be quite a little bit of overlay potentially. Um, and I'm looking forward to actually learning some, some of the things that you ask and and, um, and I'm happy to share some of the things that I ask and then that way I, I think you and I take something out of it as yeah. well as anyone listening. Well, you know, we always do take something out of it, uh, Pez. Anyway, yep. um, I might just put a rider, a, a, a little cautionary sentence or two in here, which is after we finish this, uh, if you people out there are going to use these questions, if you ask, some, this is the thing. If you ask someone a question, just shut the fuck up till they finish answering you. 
don't interrupt them when they're in flow. Yeah, it, it's, so, it's so important because um, we'll, we'll have a little bit of a chat about that later on because I think that's a very, very important point. You've really, you, you, I, I, did, you, um, did you go to swearing lessons over summer? Or yeah, something? I did. I, I'm yeah. channeling my inner Tourette's actually. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. My kids used to do this hilarious thing where they'd do a skit of someone, someone with Tourette's giving the eulogy at a funeral. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it was hilarious. It just had me in stitches. They were so funny with it. Look, and, anyway. and, you know, before, before we get letters and, and stuff from the, you know, National Society of, of Tourette Sufferers, um, you know, put a disclaimer on that as well, Iggy, that yeah. we mean no harm. It was just a little bit of fun. It is a little um, bit of fun. In fact, I do like it when people go off a bit. Yeah. I did have a... Um, I do remember that there was a, a show on TV and it was about how people that suffered Tourette's, I mean, now we're down the rabbit hole of Tourette's, but people who suffered from Tourette's syndrome, actually um, it, how it would, they would in a choir and, and the choir uh, allowed them to actually, when they're singing, that the, the, the affliction doesn't actually um, show up. Which yeah, because, was actually, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, and but the but the thing the reason why I love it was it was it was a very interesting um, uh, documentary series, but the name of it was the best name for any any doco that I've ever seen, and it was called Tourette's. I swear I can sing. Love it. I just love that. Oh goodness. Oh. Okay, why, why don't we get into coaching questions before we offend more people? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to let you go first. So okay. you can preface these and uh, and before you just jump into it, I would say that these are, are things that as a coach, you can ask these or as a leader, as a manager, you can ask these of an individual, a team, or I'd encourage you to ask them of yourself as well, or even have someone come and ask them to you. Yeah, you've got to give, if you're going to ask a question, you've got to give people permission to ask you questions or not give them. Yeah, you do have to give them permission or tell them to ask you questions. Radio, Eggie, number one, far away. Um, here's one. This is, a, this is part of a suite of three questions, but in the three questions, this is the most important one of those three. And I think people don't often ask that, this. And the question is, how do you feel about that? Why I say that is that people ask for data, they'll ask for ask for all sorts of stuff, but then really ask people how they feel about a thing. Yeah. And which you can take these other two as just one whole questioning technique or three. Um, if you're wanting to get someone to a place, you might ask them for a whole bunch of data on, a, on an issue. Like, give me the facts. That's one question. When they've run through the facts, you then say, how do you feel about that? It's important to go in this order, although you can ask the how do you feel about that question of its own. So you've asked for the facts. So give me all the detail about that is one question. Second question, how do you feel about that? And when they've run out of feelings, and remember we said at the beginning of this, if you're going to ask someone a question, don't interrupt them. When they've run out of their feelings, you can then say, okay, what do you want to do about that? Yep. So you're cycling through the unpacking of the head, exploring some some energy emotion. and emotion, and then and then and then bringing that back to some reality to say, yeah, okay, what, what are your choices? To, yeah. Finally, you're bringing it back to an intuitive response. What do you want to do about that? Is um, is tell me about that. How do you feel about that? Yeah. What do you want to do about that? Yeah. Give me the data. Give me the facts. 
Um, yep. Interestingly, if you're talking to a person that lives in the head, man, will they give you facts? Yeah. And you might, rarely, you might in that instance have to cut them off a bit. Yeah. So, so you've been a bit sneaky here. You've come up with three questions. No, I'm going to give you more. Don't worry. I've just got as your first. That's 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 very very sneaky. So you've you snuck in as one. Yeah, take you take that as one. Here's the 17 things I want from you. But if you take it as as just a one thing, one big thing that I want, it's only one thing. Because yeah. managers aren't doing that to to their staff all the time, are they? No. <laughs> all right. Okay. Do you want me to go? Yeah. Because I think we can talk about this a little bit more, what you're talking about. So I went straight to the top of that list, which is where you were headed with that, which is the one question that I see um, not butchered, but just not asked time and time and time again. And we know that effective meetings and and their you know group or individual, like we spoke before, interactions um, is generally a a bit of a blind spot for a lot of businesses. Like a lot of people say we waste our times in meetings. We never get to the point. We go round and round and round. So I always go, how do we focus a meeting? At the very start of the meeting, you can't start talking about stuff and issues before you know what do you want to get out of this meeting, which is the agenda setting question. What do we want to get out of this meeting? What would you like to get out of this meeting? Uh, A nice variation of that is um, if you... When we walk away from this meeting, for it to feel like a valuable meeting, what will we have covered? You know, depending if you if you want to take it down a little bit more of a feeling space, um, but but focusing that meeting up front is absolutely crucial. And when people reflect on why their meetings sometimes go nowhere, or they don't really have an outcome that's that's satisfactory, or they just feel like they don't like what you were saying. You know, what what do you want to do around that? And they don't even have that clarity to understand what it is that they want to want to fix or change or address. It's usually because you go right back to the start of the meeting and there's the, the agenda hasn't really um, focused in on, on any particular hot button issue. So give people the space and the time to answer that question. So just on that, um, answer that question and then you're suggesting tear down a bit in terms well, of... Yeah, well, just the... the yeah, when you sort of go, what do you want to get out of this meeting, for example, and people will, will come up generally with a list of things. And, and to your point, it, some of those things will start unpacking their heads. Um, you know, there's, there might be a range of issues, you know, especially if you're looking at a one-on-one coaching session with a, with a team member in, a, in some sort of formal uh, coaching system or mentoring program that you've got. Um, that, that they'll probably unpack their heads a little bit because they're busy. Yeah. And then if you keep asking, uh, and then you might ask a specific question and go, okay, that, that particular one there, what specifically would you like to get cover on that topic? Yeah. So it, it kind of starts a bit global and then goes quite specific. But, which is good. I've heard your initial question asked, which is just the version of what you just said, which is you can ask the whole meeting room, why are we here? Yeah. So easy, isn't it? Why are we it here? Is. And how often do you see that not done? Um, I'm going to say 80% of the time. Yeah. And to be quite frank here, I've found myself in a meeting that, you know, a little bit into it, starting to go all over the place. And you think, what's going on here? And then you, th- then you go, oh, note to self, I haven't asked everyone why we're here. Yeah. We haven't, we haven't got an agenda. We don't know, we don't know where this meeting ends. Yeah, yeah? exactly. So if you've, got, if you've got a really clear opening, you actually know where it ends. And, it, and then it means that the meeting doesn't have to take the prescriptive time either. Because 
if the really hot button and and we both know that you can turn up to a meeting that might have a very standard agenda and then when you get and then you go through the standard agenda that takes up the you know the two hours of the you know the board meeting or the or the you know the, the leadership team meeting or whatever it is and then someone throws something into say the general business section at the end and you go geez that was the thing we needed to put on the top of the agenda. Yeah, exactly. God, I've had that a few times. The, the the casual comment when you're just about done, and I, well, it can be a hand grenade as well. It, it happened uh, in two it comes, meetings yesterday. Think, Holy dooly, that is actually the thing. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Excellent. Cool. Okay. Um, now, can I can I add something? Can I add one of my other ones now because you've mentioned it twice already? Because we Knock we have the same out, thing. Is what I say. So I I say to you. And if people can actually hear this, first time ever I've actually prepared notes. So I'm actually flicking through some notes here. So well, I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm, this I'm, is, I'm impressed. This is the first time ever I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Bullshit. No, I didn't. Ever, oh, did you? All right. Yeah. As if you've ever prepared notes. Um, okay. So here's the, here's the next one. Exactly what you said. To transition from this headspace into... Um, the heart into the feeling because as we know as humans we we make most of our well not as we know that's that's a bit presumptuous to say um, as humans we will make most of our decisions based on a, a, our emotional energy that's attached to a particular issue that they will we will be guided by by those more than we sometimes care to think so what you spoke about earlier on of that transition from that headspace into the, more into the body and the feeling is crucial and i wrote here silence is a question oh that is that, uh, that is so good i've got nothing to say yeah it actually is that's how most of my meetings finish people just go gee whiz we've got nothing else to say here like look i'm let's just walk out and how long have you been able to walk on water yeah look at two thousand years <laughs> um, no, no, come on. We're, we're going down. This is being silly. What a silly start to 2022. I kind of like it. I like where 2022 is going. We've been locked up for two years. I really think that's worth remembering because how often have you been in a meeting where there's a, it's usually one person or maybe two who just won't shut up? And, and this came up in a meeting that I had the other day um, where one of the agenda items from one of the people in the meeting was how, how, how do I get um some of the the more quiet people in my team to speak up in meetings because you know you've got you've got the loud voices in the meetings and and i think that sometimes it's that ability for someone who's who's running the meeting or or at least coaching the meeting or controlling that meeting to really embrace the idea that silence is a question so when you ask someone a question be quiet stop filling the air stop filling the 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 airwaves with with more words and more thoughts and more, just give people time to process. And then what you might find is that the people that are often quiet in meetings haven't had the time to process or, or get into a feeling space or even rationalize what it is that, that, that you're talking about. So everyone's moving on before that person even kind of is comfortable with, with what it is that's being asked of them or what they want to say. I think this is, this is a chunk of gold this one, I really do think it is. Remember, you might remember back when we were at our conferences and we had quite a few, there mm -hmm. was always one person that would dominate the room, not to mention any names. Uh, 
And this is a really dangerous thing. And the reason it's dangerous is because then you only ever have one perspective. And if you've got 33 people in a room, you've got 33 opinions and you need to hear quite a few of them. And that's why I think that that comment at the start that coaching equals questions. And then if you wrote underneath it, that silence is a question, you start, you start to get um, some very provocative thoughts around, okay, if I'm going to coach someone, I have to build deep skill and self-awareness around some of these, these really fine points. It's, Coaching is not standing in front of someone and delivering something out of a manual. That, no, that's training. That's, that's training. That's telling and training and, and whatnot. When you're coaching someone, it's about that connection to with the context of raising awareness to shift behavior. Okay. I raising think, awareness to shift behavior. I think coaching is making a connection is worth yeah. just capturing that little thing too, that little nugget. Yeah. I have so, a mate who has been on this, Pez Mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happens, um, what I've discovered is what you do in your life, you tend to drag in, what you do in your work life, you tend to drag in to the other parts of your life. So he, as you know, he does research all over the world, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, he's really, really good at this. But when you're with him, he's part of my mate cohort, he will have a tendency to dump a lot of data on you. And so it's, then it's not a conversation. It's a little bit like a lecture. And it doesn't we, feel good, does it? No, it doesn't because it's non-participatory. I have a pathological dislike of being lectured anyway. Um, yes. That's just me. Other people cope with it probably better. Yeah, well. So, so coaching is no, about... you just speak up about it. Yeah. Coaching is about forming a connection, yeah? Yeah. And that's about questioning because questions is about dragging the other person into the room. Yep. So you're, you're, you're going, mate. This is, a, this is a little bit of a... It's not too provocative a question, but you need to ask it. When someone's just gone blur over you, you're talking to them, there's an issue, and they're going blah, 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 blah. You can just give a moment of silence and then you can say, Is that true? Mm. You've even sent me into a little bit of a feeling space there, Mark. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Well, because often that does two things it make us, makes the person that's downloading on you stop and have a reflective moment and go, is that actually true? Or is it just, um, I'll back up here a tiny bit with feelings. Feelings aren't, feelings are feelings. They're not actually fact always. Sometimes they are, sometimes they aren't. Um, so when you go, is that true? It makes the person you're questioning or talking to reassess what they've just told you. Um, and if they say, yeah, it is true, then you can say, well, tell me why you think that's true. Yeah, that's good because it's just a it's just a little challenge. It's a check-in point, you know. It's it's, it's not point. You, you can't um, you can't just be agreeing with everything everyone says all the time because people will run their own agendas, won't they? Oh, they'll colour them to reinforce their argument hugely. Correct. Yeah, there's the whole confirmation bias thing. Yeah. There's looking for evidence. There's all this sort of stuff. So people will 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 keep telling you things in the hope that you believe them verbatim. So um, as a coach, challenge, challenge, is that true? And if they explore that and you explore it with them and they come out and say, yeah, it is true, then at least you can move on. There is another question I could put right on the end of that, but I'll, I'll, I won't. Um, I think you should go next. Okay. So this one here gets into 
it, it can go a couple of different ways in some of the earlier podcasts. And, and I know we, we keep talking about some of the earlier ones, but I do encourage people. We have covered quite a, a number of topics that are, are relevant coaching conversations, as well as business issues, as well as other things. Um, and in some of the earlier podcasts, we've spoken a, a bit about your, your position in the marketplace or as an individual in an organization. Um, and when I talk about position, it's not like what your name, what your title is in the org chart. It's, it's more about what are you known for? Yeah. Same as a, as a company in the marketplace or your purpose. So position and purpose are often not interchangeable, but they're very, very closely linked. So when we talk about purpose-driven organizations, then the way that those organizations actually market themselves and, and build their brand and their position in the marketplace is inextricably linked to that purpose if it's done well. So Here's a part A and part B, or I love it. two slightly different questions around this, okay? So one I love around the, the, the business question is if your business didn't exist, what does the market miss out on? And the mm -hmm. reason why I ask that is because a lot of people will, will get caught up in their own um, their product or their their service proposition or their you know the the way they go about you know delivering something to a specific niche in the marketplace or whatever it is, and when it when it gets interchangeable with with why they exist and and then what they want to be known for, um, when you really challenge it and get them to start answering that question, what it gets them to do is is start going okay yeah we say this about ourselves but does the mark is that already available in the market. We say, we think this makes us special, but is that is that just like them, them, and them? So if your business didn't exist, what does the market miss out on? And if they've got a very, very clear answer to that, then then that's that's going to, to hold them in a quite a, a unique marketable position or, or it could be something to do with their purpose. If they get lost in the fog of conversation, at least it starts challenging the room to go, you're not special if this is what you think makes you special, but let's let's look at where we can actually go with this. Yeah. The next question, apart from that, it, more in an individual space, which I love when it talks about individual purpose and and starting to elicit this out of out of people to kind of you know, um, you know, connect with what, what's in it for them and and what they what sort of career they want to build and how they start aligning themselves with something in their organisation and and find their pathway, which is. What do you love doing for others that you hate having done for you? It's really interesting. I wasn't going to put that one in. <laughs> and I, I thought, no, I bet you'll do that one. And that's a, oh. that's a great question. What it means, are you asking me a question? Yeah, no, no, like what, not, yeah, what is that, what does that one mean? How do you, how do you read that question? What, how I read that question is if you're good at a particular thing and someone does it on you, you're kind of going either consciously or subconsciously. You're taking up my space. Yeah. You're taking something. Bingo. Bingo. So th this is the one that I think is, is that real at the core of, of your purpose. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you can answer that question and you start exploring it with a coach or with a, with a teammate or, or a manager or whatever, um, it's exactly what you said. If, if, if you're really in tune with your purpose or you understand it, you feel like it's your, you know, your birthright to deliver. Yeah, birth it's like the person here on earth that does that thing. Yep. So, so when you start, when people start doing it to you, you feel like exactly what you said, people are taking up your space. So that's the two questions that I think are kind of linked to, to, to business and individual purpose and position. If your business didn't exist, what does the market miss out on? 
which is which is more of a workshoppy kind of question. And yeah, that's a positioning one, isn't it? That yeah, more it's probably slightly more positioning than I purpose, think so. But, yeah, but it's and, a and, bloody good question. How and what do you love doing for others that you hate having done for you? Quite often, Pez, you would have been working in business, and they go, oh, you know, get all hot and bothered thinking, oh, we've got a great position in the market, and you go, really? And then you ask this question, you think, you know, that's just actually table stakes. That's what you need to play this game. It doesn't make you unique. That's right. It's a, you're just a me too if you think that's yeah. what makes you special. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, go for it, mate. Um, this one, you can connect to any one of the other questions we've mentioned, which is when you're questioning someone or coaching them, often you're standing there, sitting there, whatever, thinking there's more to this. I just know there's more to this. I can... I can feel it. I can sense it. So you simply ask, what else? Brilliant. And then it's, you be it's quiet. So, it's so powerful, isn't it? Oh, and it can be it re really, you have to really be quiet after that question. It's it goes a back question. to silence, silence being a question. And then after it that, is, isn't it? You need to let the person process if you're going to ask that question. So do, 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 do you want to workshop a little example around that? Because it's, oh. it's, it's such a... It's such an unbelievable um, skill to possess as a coach to be able to ask that well, question. Why don't and you, shut up. Have you have you done it recently with a yeah, client? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you do it all the time? Do you want to just pull that out? Yeah. So, like for for example, when when you're um, like you said before, when you're exploring a range of issues and unpacking someone's head, and um, all of a sudden you've got a little bit of a hot button issue that they want to deal with, like oh, I want to. Um, I'm, I'm really struggling with my manager. Like there was all this other stuff that came up and then, and then something said, I'm really struggling with the relationship with my manager, right? And then you can, you go, okay, that, that one's a little bit of a hot button. And then you ask the question exactly as you said it before. So tell me about that, right? And, and yeah. they'll, they'll tell you about the relationship with their manager. And they will then also give you probably a little bit of surfacey, um, you know, information, you know, cursory information, something a little bit more um, risque and provocative potentially or the, getting to the bit that they're struggling with. And if you don't feel like they've gone to where the conversation really needs to go or you just want to make sure that they've exhausted all the things, you say, okay, and what else? Yeah, and what else is even probably, uh, uh, it's just adding the and in there is while it's only a word is brilliant. Yeah, and what else? And then what My tends to happen is that they will drop well and truly into their into their feelings they will. And, and and really bring out start start to really explore where, where it is and then and then you can even ask it again if you still feel like there's more um, let them go and then say and what else and then they'll they'll start and then you'll get this feeling of okay I don't think there's anything else here right I, yeah. I think we've exhausted it all and then you can finish it off and say is that all yes which is yeah, a great question. question. And a statement kind of remember when we used to have this done to us, and this is another my next question and this question are not a stick to hit people with. Mm -hmm. And you know, when we were being coached by coaches that they go, and what else? And and you'd given everything and then go, and what else? And you thought you'd think to yourself, you're just being a smart ass now. That's right. You gotta you gotta use this one a little bit gently. Yeah. And 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 this is why I I'm always interested in, in when organisations, you know, are, you know, training people to be coaches and, oh, yeah, we've done this course and we're now we're, we're an accredited that and so on and so forth. 
and then you 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 bring some of these skills to the table and and they go oh they've got no idea how to actually implement them um, yeah. you do have to be very very careful with how you apply some of this stuff but you also have to be very confident in your 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 ability and your process as a coach to be asked to ask them in the right way because if you're not asking these questions you are never getting to the issue you aren't and you're going to annoy the recipient hugely and, and and here's the thing and i was working with some people the other day that i spoke uh, about this very issue with if you don't go into the feeling space with them they're not going there no they're exact so right because if you don't go there they're not going there so you have to open yourself up you have to change your um uh persona your um your sort of uh, aura your 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 um personality in that time when you when you want someone to um give you a, an emotional response you have to be open at that point to hear it and you have to be willing to sort of feel what's going on in that space these are not like, like you know especially the questions that are coming off your list um as a rampant feeler Eggie, um, <laughs> are are advanced coaching questions but they're also they also ask of the coach to to really embrace they're not an intellectual exchange they're not a, a factual exchange. They're, they're asking the coach to actually go there with the with the person that they're coaching. Yes, that's right. You have to be vulnerable as the coach. Correct. Brilliant. Great question. What else? Okay. You want me to go? Yeah, I've got one more left. Okay. Well, one more. Yeah, good. I think we've both got... I've got two because you started and, and <laughs> you've got one. There is a person at every golf club in Australia, if not the world, who will who will dish out unsolicited coaching tips. Oh. Can, oh, oh. <laughs> and and uh, no doubt every clay target shooting club, every yeah, tennis I'm club. I'm going to give you an example. Right. So, so you know, and, and there's nothing more frustrating than when, when, you know, and you may well be a better golfer, shooter, tennis player, painter, guitarist, whatever, than, than the person that's dishing out the tips. Um, but they feel it's their God-given right to do it anyway. So um, where I go with this is that uh, you've got to ask, ask for permission. So yep. good permission asking questions um, in any situation, even if your, your um, social contract with the person in front of you is that you're there for a, as, as their coach. As you're building your coaching relationship, you still have to ask for permission, right? So things like, are you cool if I make an observation? Can I offer you a suggestion at this point? Are you in the space to receive feedback? They're just simple little permission asking and granting questions that put for, for no other reason than that they put the person in the space to either A, say, no, I'm not, not at this point in time, or B, you, you, you're warning them and giving them time to adjust the, the unpacking of their head or the exploration of their feeling around something to actually get, give them time to readjust and go, okay, I'm, I'm going to be open to hearing some stuff now. Fantastic. Uh, what I was going to say, and this came up just a couple of uh, points ago from you, is note to anyone listening to this, do not coach your life partner. <laughs> Even if you ask for permission. Yep. Because <laughs> you don't have it. You don't have it. You don't have it. You rarely have it. <laughs> There's no permission. And, 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 and a word to the wise, even if they come up to you and say, what do you think about? You still don't have permission. 
Yeah, does my bum look good in these jeans? <laughs> There's no good answer. That's no. when you just you just walk out of the room and pretend to be doing something else. I yeah. didn't hear you, love. Sorry. Oh, d- I might um, that. a little, little bit more swearing here, people, is that one of the coaches we worked with decided to coach his wife, and she wasn't given to swearing. And when he did this, she said, you coaching me? And he went, oh, yeah. And she said, well, why don't you fuck off? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Mm. Great. I don't know. even know. I, I, don't, I, I haven't had to edit much of these for the last few podcasts because we've had relatively smooth conversations. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm going unedited on this one. Yeah. Just pretend I'm Joe Rogan. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's um, wild, man. That's crazy. That's yeah, wild. Yeah. Everything's wild and crazy. Okay. Go for it, Eggy. Give us your last. Okay. One. Now, this last question this is to be used like a scalpel, not a baseball bat. And it can be really provocative. So let's say we go back to your example, Pez, of someone's talking about their manager and they're just going off about it and doing a download. You let them do all the download and then you ask this question, which is, what did you do to create that? Oh, gee, that's a big one, isn't it? It is a really big... The reason we ask that is that there's always two sides to a story. Now, the story may be weighted in percentage against the other person. They might have transgressed a lot but there is another side to the story. And the person that's downloading to you needs to know what role they, pal- they played in this whole thing because they did. It, it's such a good question. It, it, and it's like you said, it's, it's, you've got to pick your moments and you've got to, you know, pull really out the, fi- the sharpest, moment. finest scalpel that you have. But yeah, um, yeah it, it, it's, you're hundred percent spot on. Every, everyone has a role to play in nearly every scenario they're involved with, don't they? I was talking to one of the girls you and I have worked with about there's a, a guy that's not performing well in the group and we were going to do a group leadership thing of the group and I was talking to her about this and she said, you know, you need to do that because while he isn't behaving well, they will all have a role in this. And you know what it really highlights to me as well and, and this came back as, a, as one of sort of the key takeaways from a session I ran the other day was... If, if you're having, if you're listening to this and, and you're starting to feel a bit uncomfortable about asking these questions, fucking oath. <laughs> that, that fucking means, oath. That all that means is it's the right question. Because, you know, how dare anyone try and coach someone else if, if it's not going to be a little bit uncomfortable? Yeah. If you're, if you're not getting uncomfortable, you, you're not coaching them. You, you're not, you're not elevating the conversation. You're not going to be an agent of change because, what, what we know is that um, that discomfort sits at the edge of your comfort zone, right? Which actually means you're about to grow or someone's about yeah, to exactly. grow. That's where the opportunity is in that discomfort. Yeah. So, and, and what this person said at the end of our, our session the other day, he, he, he's, you know, and I was, I was sort of looking at um, getting some feedback for the room. What did, what did people take away from it? And, and his, his remark was being a leader is just so much more than what people think it is because we we're specifically talking about, um, you know, coaching skills and things like that. And he went on to say, he goes, when you actually start piecing together all the things you have to be competent at, at a certain level, you have to be willing to get into uncomfortable scenarios every, nearly every day with your team. So that question that you ask, you know, if that's uncomfortable for seasoned campaigners like you and I to ask, 
think of what that would be like for you know someone who who thinks they've you know completed some coaching certificate course and it's given them the right to start developing people in a you know tens of millions or hundreds of millions of dollar turnover company it it, it it's not it's not a natural place to, it's not a natural pl- game to play for a lot of people no it isn't it just isn't no but this no. does comes a full circle thing pierce to what you mentioned is if you're feeling uncomfortable you need to go there and then they'll go there and we've spoken about vulnerability and stuff in the past in leadership and I think we've we've sort of mentioned some of the, those people that that talk about it, and and Brene Brown is one that comes to mind. That you know she talks about it quite a lot. Um, if if people don't people will role model. So you know when so much of our um, engagement and our satisfaction at work is linked to the per- person that I report to, then then if the person I report to is a good role model for this stuff, then I'll be a good role model. I'll actually see that and 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 play that game as well. So yeah. I'm. I'm happy to step into that arena because they've already stepped across that line as well. My last one, which yep. which is a little bit of a full circle piece, which is this one's about you know that whole thing around looking at, at building upon strengths and and um, I guess reviewing and growing. So it's it's a very simple one. It's a, a feedback one that you and I have used for for eons, which is what did we do well? What could we have done differently? Or what did you do well? What could you do differently? And it's, it's just a very simple one that looks at um, acknowledging all the things that, that, you know, might be at the end of a project. It could be um, between um, sort of coaching catch-up meetings that you might have with, with team members. Um, it could be as a team upon reflection, like a debrief scenario. So like there might be big, uh, long projects that need to be debriefed. And a lot of people go into some very, very, um, I don't know, probably a bit of overkill sometimes when they, when they do their, their sort of project debriefs. And what happens is it stops them doing the project debriefs because they're too long-winded and they tend to go into all these areas that they don't need to go. So I always like to start with getting a, a group to sort of acknowledge what did we do well or what went well and what could we do differently next time and then have the conversations about then pull out the data that supports that stuff during the conversation. Does yep. that make sense? Yeah, it's, it's you know, I'd forgotten that one. Um, I think it's really critical to mention here if you're going to use this question and it's it's a really really good question is don't put better instead of differently yeah because better is a judgment straight up really because the implication is that you're, you're going to address things you're not going to do things differently if they're going to be worse are they <laughs> you know um yeah really good and really it focuses good. on your strengths too so it does. you know they're doing differently it's taking the subjective thing out of better because better means you did something potentially badly or, or, or whatever, you know? So you can actually say, if we're going to do it differently, um, yeah, we, we might've knocked it out of the park this time, but let's look at things we could do differently to, to, you know, really knock it out of the park even further again. So it's all about that strengths-based stuff, you know, looking yeah, at what you're doing well, what could you do differently? Yeah. Um, I think I th- this is not one of my questions, but I think, a really good thing to note here is that coaching is about connection hmm. and you can't start doing this till you have some kind of social contract with whoever you're talking to. And, and that takes time to build because you have to, it, it goes back to that whole trust equation one. It goes back to where one about ego, putting your ego in the backseat. You know, there's, there's all this stuff that, that leads into people being um, trusted to sit in the coaching space. 
Yeah, how often did we see ego with this? Have we seen ego with this? In oh, yeah. when we all worked as a bunch, you know, people would use. Oh God, um, just give me one takeout, Pez. Not um, specifically the questions, just one takeout. In what way? From this, from you and I talking to each other, what was what resonated with you? Um, that there's there's nothing more important than. When you when just say assume that you've got that social contract, you've got that trust, you, you're sitting in a coaching relationship with someone. And whether that is under the guise of a mentor, a coach, a manager, a leader, uh, a trusted person within an organization, what whatever it is. Um, the most important thing is to make sure you you start unpacking the head in that in that thinking space that we've spoken about in the past and, and where, where some of your questions and, and my early one about of what do you want to get out of, to, out of this meeting starts with. And then your questions of transitioning through feeling and then getting into that knowing and then looking at actions. So it's that, it's that cycle of making sure that you've got a methodology and some go-to questions like you're one of what else, tell me more about that. How do you feel about that? All those sort of things uh, gets people to gets you the coach and the and the team or the person to really explore what's going to make a change. And if you don't get into that space, um, you're just having a nice conversation. You're yeah, having exactly. a you're gonna you, you'll set an agenda in the thinking space. You'll talk about it in the thinking space, and you'll come up with some actions in the thinking space. And then you'll come around a month or two later and wonder why nothing's changed. There you go, bloody beautiful. I have I have one. What about yourself? Um, I, I was what I said that coaching is about connection and it's a social contract. It's really easy to forget that. Um, <laughs> you know, you play golf and I shoot clay target. Mm-hmm. So when you play, when you shoot clay target, you usually go around in a group of four or three or six or whatever, unless other groups going around each station near you. So occasionally someone who's not even in your group will come and decide to give you advice who you might not even know. And A, it's really, really <laughs> annoying, but it's worse than that because I'm not, I'm not sure with golf, in clay target, you know, you decide what you're going to do, then you step into your little cage station thing, and then you need to be really neutral. In fact, you need to be really in an intuitive space. And if someone's just said, oh, you need to be three feet more in front of that target, you just got out of your intuitive space right into your headspace, and it just all goes west at that point. Exactly the same in golf. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah. I'm sure when you hit the golf ball, it needs to be a totally intuitive action. Well, well, you know, like probably in the same vein as clay target shooters and and golfers around the world, um, and people that that are passionate about about any particular hobby that they do, you spend an inordinate amount of time. Um, fixing your technique, researching ways to get better, all this sort of stuff. So you've got all that in your head regardless. And you're trying to make, trying to make something, you know, make sense out of all of that. And then, yeah. and then you think you've got some, some sort of thing that you're going to do the next time you address the ball or, you know, raise the bells of your gun or, you know, pick up your, your violin or whatever it is. And, um, and then someone's chirping in the back of your head. Hey, by the way, bring your fingers around that. <laughs> you know, bring, bring your fingers around slightly or, or your eyes are doing this and you're just going, shut the fuck up. Up, let me alone. Yeah. There's a guy that does this who's, um, he doesn't speak very good English. So he'll do it. And then you spend 
a couple of minutes going, what? What did you say? So by that stage, <laughs> you, know, you bounced out completely. Oh, jeez, oh, yeah. Yeah, I think we've injected enough bad language into this session. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. So there, there's some coaching questions. I hope I hope uh, people uh, take one or two. Don't, don't take don't take ten or twelve. And I know we said we're going to come in with five each. We probably end up, you know canvassing about 15 or 20 or so, but um, don't try and do them all. Take one. And if you, if you start almost at the start where, where Mark and I both started with this about that, that what do you want to get out of this meeting and um, tell me more about that and what else and how do you feel, that, that might be enough that'll, for the, for the budding coach. That'll start you right off well and truly. Yeah. All right, mate. Thanks for doing that. <laughs> <laughs>